Father, thank you that you sent Jesus to do what he came to do so that we could be free to worship you. That we could declare Jesus on the streets, from the mountaintops, in the cities, over our family and our friends, over our workplace and our work colleagues, over every situation that we can find ourselves when we speak Jesus, we release power, healing, wholeness. Now thank you for that. Father, I just ask that Holy Spirit, now you would just lead me and guide me as I bring your word to us this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are present with us always. We ask that you come and just fill this place, saturate this place. Open hearts to receive, minds to receive, ears to hear and to understand. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. On the 15th of January this year, I introduced the series we've been doing on the kingdom of God. Today, we conclude it. Although I think we never stop talking about the kingdom, no matter what we teach on, it's all about the kingdom, as it's all about Jesus. But just this series now comes to an end. In the first sermon in the series, I asked three questions. And I'm not going to ask you if you can remember them. But I only answered two of the questions in that first sermon. I asked them after reading a portion of scripture about Jesus fasting in the desert after being baptized by John the baptizer. So let's read the portion of scripture again and the three questions that are asked after that. So then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of Man, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended to him. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. When Satan offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor in exchange for Jesus bowing down before him and worshiping him, Jesus never challenged him um, on, on his authority to make that offer because he knew the offer was valid. Rather, he quoted scripture telling the devil who we are to worship. Now, how did Satan come to have this authority to make this offer to Jesus? And why would it be tempting to offer, uh, be a tempting offer for Jesus to even consider? And was there a time when the kingdom of God existed on the earth 
and God's will was being done. Through this series, we've looked at how Satan came to have the authority. We have also looked at the times the kingdom of God existed on the earth. What we have not looked at is the second question. Why would it be a tempting offer for Jesus to even consider? Have you thought about it? The simple answer is that Jesus would not have to endure Good Friday. It's Good Friday for us, but not for him. The day he was arrested, questioned, falsely accused, mocked, severely flagellated, forced to carry the cross, then nailed to the cross, mocked some more, and then dying on the cross. Jesus would not have to endure this extreme pain and suffering to gain back the kingdoms of the world. But Jesus did not come to just claim back the kingdom of the world. He came to defeat the devil and to fulfill the law and thus claim back mankind for God. He came to suffer the death that you and I deserve because of our sin. He took our sin and the death we deserve and brought the kingdom of God to the earth once more. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God on the earth, and in his time on earth, he gathered his followers, trained and instructed them in the things of the kingdom, and then just before he ascended to heaven, he instructed them to wait until the Holy Spirit came on them so that they could go out and proclaim and establish the kingdom of God on the earth once more. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 9. Why did Jesus have to ascend to heaven and send the Holy Spirit? We know that Jesus was both fully man and fully God, but he laid aside his godly attributes and lived within the confines of a human body. After he rose from the dead, certain aspects of his, of his body changed, and he was able to appear out of nowhere or go through closed doors. But he was still restricted to only being in one place at a time, although it seemed like he was able to travel between places very quickly. Jesus ascended to heaven, and Father and Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to earth on the day of Pentecost, which we celebrated and Jill spoke about a couple of weeks ago. The difference between Jesus and the Holy Spirit is that Jesus could only be at one place at a time. Similarly, the devil can only be in one place at a time. But the Holy Spirit is able to be everywhere at all times. The Holy Spirit comes upon and into each one of us when we believe and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He is the deposit given to us then at our rebirth. 
The Holy Spirit is not restricted by a bodily form as Jesus was. He is spirit and is everywhere all the time. He is God in us and God all around us. We can never be away from the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. And that's why I love Psalm 139. It's one of my favorite psalms. This is what it says as a portion of it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Did you know that about yourself? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. It's an amazing promise from God, an amazing description of what God has for us and what God has done in us. That's Psalm 139, verses 7 to 16. The Holy Spirit is not just everywhere, but He knows everything about us, and we can never get away from Him. No matter how far we try and run away from Him, He'll always be there. We might not be aware of Him, but He's aware of us. Jesus didn't take the easy route and worship and bow down to Satan and get back the kingdoms of the earth. Because if He did, He would have been subject to Satan for eternity, because His bowing down would have been seen as a commitment to be subject to and serve Satan. And He could never do that. We saw that in the coronation of King Charles when Prince William came and knelt before his father and subjected himself to serve King Charles for as long as they both shall live. Jesus could never and would never subject himself to worship and serve Satan by bowing to him. That is why Jesus went through the pain and the suffering, not only to to not be Satan's subject, but also because he believed we were worth it. You and I were worth it. And that we should not be subjects to Satan too. We were not created to serve and be subject to Satan. Mankind was created to be in the presence of God on the earth that God had created. But Satan deceived Adam and Eve and entrapped them into servitude and took possession of the authority that God had given them to rule and reign over the earth. That's where he got the authority. And that's why he could offer all the authority to Jesus. Because we are sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, we are born as subjects of Satan. And we need to be set free from that position of servitude by, by choosing to believe in and receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We need to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, 
We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. When we are born again, we step out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God. We become disciples of Jesus Christ who are commissioned to advance the kingdom of God here on earth. We are called to be like Jesus on the earth today, doing the things that he did to demonstrate that the kingdom of God has come and is here on the earth today. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I'll read it again. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. John chapter 14 and verse 12. We are called to do greater works than what Jesus did. He said we will do them. Now throughout this series, we've heard that the kingdom of God is here, now, but not in its fullness. We live in the now and the not yet of the kingdom. We live with prayers being answered just as we expected, and prayers not being answered in the way that we expected or we asked. We live in times of miracles and the mundane, of healings and continued sickness and death, of signs and wonders, as well as just everyday life. In all of this, we are called to be kingdom people, wholly reliant on the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our lives. We are not yet there. Just like the fullness of the kingdom is not here yet. We are all a work in progress. Some are a little further along the assembly line than others. Some are nearing the end of the assembly line, but we never know when that end is. And others have just got onto the assembly line. We saw that two weeks ago as people said yes to Jesus, receiving him as their Lord and Savior. It is an assembly line of not just building up and putting down, Initially, there is a lot of removing. A removing of damaged and dirty parts that have somehow attached themselves to us as we were walking through life in the kingdom of darkness. Not aware of all these parts that the devil had put onto us and into us. But as we choose to step off the assembly line of the kingdom of darkness and onto the assembly line of the kingdom of God, we are washed by the blood of Jesus that covers over all those parts that are not original specification parts, 
and are marked to be removed as we travel along the assembly line of our life in Jesus Christ. There are some things that are immediately removed, and there are other things that take a little more time to be be removed, often because we actually like some of those parts and are reluctant to give them up. Only later on, down the line, do we realize that we cannot receive what God has for us until we let go of those non-original specification parts we've been holding on to. Because they are taking the space God has assigned for new things He wants to give us, to equip us for the works of service He has assigned to us and for us. Some are assigned to be leaders. Others are assigned to be the body of the church. But we are all called to serve. We are all assigned to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to operate in the gifts of the Spirit as the Spirit leads us. All of us can operate in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit if we make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit and learn to hear and see what the Holy Spirit is doing. It has been so wonderful to see so many people operating in the revelational gifts of the Spirit in our meetings, getting words and pictures, speaking into people's lives. Now we want to see the power gifts manifest, the miracles, the signs, the wonders. But not just in our meetings, but in everyday encounters with people outside of the church. And that's really where God wants us to do them. Outside of the church, because that attracts people to God. Let's push into this as we did with the revelational gifts. And that's why in our prayer points now we've got signs and wonders as something that we want to see happening. Not just in here, but outside of the building. We want to push into that. We need to ask God for that. We ask God for the revelational gifts, but now we want the power gifts as well. He wants all of these gifts to be operating in our midst. Each message in the series has looked at different aspects of the kingdom. I trust that you have grown, not just in understanding, but also in living in the fullness of the kingdom of God, being poured, sorry, being prepared to do the things God is calling you to do, being ready to go where God leads you, and to speak to those people God shows you. We're all called to be kingdom people living in this world where the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, are still battling for the souls of the people who God has created. There's a battle for every person's soul living on the earth today. Are you prepared and equipped to do battle and stand for the kingdom of God at this time? Are you prepared and equipped to do battle and stand for the kingdom of God at this time. Amen. Let's have a look at the discussion questions, and we do start with our favorite. What stood out for you from this message? Okay, what stood out for you from this message? And then, secondly, thinking back over the series, what is the thing that touched you the most? Now, you're not going to remember all the messages, but I trust there are things that touched you as you went through. And the things that you remember are obviously the things that touched you the most. So 
Think about this. Are there areas in, life, in your life that you know God is still, still dealing with? Are you able to share and receive prayer for those issues in your life, those things in your life? There's a time to deal with them. And then pray for one another. We need to be praying for one another, especially in uh, number three. Do that. So thank you to those who've been watching this online. I trust that you will go and ponder these questions. And uh, those of us in the hall, if you want to mingle and get at a different table from where you normally sit at and mix things up and then carry on discussing. And we'll have time to discuss, 20 minutes or so, and then we'll have worship and more ministry time. Thank you.